I'm going to preach a sermon right now called The Good Life. Now let me ask you a question. Does God want you to have a good life? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. I've been out in the world. I don't get out there much. Not as much as I used to. But when I was uh, working a secular job, you're out in the middle of it all the time. It's amazing how bad the life of some people is. I mean, it's like they go through hell and then more hell and more hell. And yet, I've even seen Christians just go through hell and they think it's their lot in life. They're taught in church that they're supposed to be that way. God is humbling you, teaching you something. Well, y'all are not learning very good. I don't know about the last time I went through hell and it taught me much of anything. Let's look at John 10.10. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Say, that's pretty good scripture. Well, if that's, that's all there is, let's look at another one. Because I'm one of these people that like to find out whether there's two or three scriptures that tell me this in the Bible. So let's look at another one. Go to Matthew 11. Come unto me, 28, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you what? Well, I'll make it rough on you. You thought it was bad before you got saved. You come to church. You ain't seen nothing yet. I'm going to make you work in the nursery and change diapers. Hallelujah. <laughs> Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke's easy and my burden's light. Say easy. Easy. Light. Light. Abundance. Abundance. Does that sound good? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a key. There's a way to get it. All right, let's look at one more because I I just think I like another one. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. We'll just pop it up on the screen. He who would love life and see good days. You mean God wants you to actually love your life? Yeah. Wake up in the morning going, I love my life. Hallelujah, life is good. Well, there's Christians that don't say that. There may be one or two of y'all in here. Maybe more than that. How do you? Get to the place to where you love your life. Now, let's start off first by saying, you're not going to straighten the world out. I thank God that North Korea and South Korea are starting to talk. There's a God. Lisa calls the guy in North Korea rocket man. I don't know what his name his name is Young Chung Chung Queen Ching. Somebody tell me a name. I don't know his name. You know how? You know how? Do you know how um, Oriental people name their kids? When they first get married, they don't have many silverware or nothing, so they take them and throw them on the floor and go Ching Ping, and that's the first kid. The second kid, they got two pots and. Pong Chong Ching Ping. Oh, by the time you're the 12th, it's Chong Chong Ching Ping 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 Pong Ping Pong. 
<laughs> Anybody in here Oriental? Yes. Tony's Oriental. Come on. Wong Chong. <laughs> so anyway, back to back to Wing Chong. I was glad to hear about the fact that um, Rocket Man has put his rockets down and wants to make peace with South Korea. But I was listening on Facebook and some lady said, well, now there's two of them wanting to kill us. And I thought, lady, where in the, shut up, just shut up. Now listen, listen to me, you and I are not going to change the world. There is a God and we're not him. You're not going to do anything about Syria. You're not going to do anything about Turkey and Iran. And you're not going to fix the Democratic Party and half the Republicans. Maybe three quarters of them. The only reason I even mention Republican, I'm not a Republican, I'm a Christian. It's the only party that won't kick me out. Honest to God. If you're a Democrat and they know you believe in Jesus, you might, you might not want to tell them. Because that's, that's the best stance that they took. Not anti-anybody. But you're not going to fix it. You're not going to fix the corruption that's in the world. You're not, I mean, there's things you and I can do, but you're not going to fix all that. So if you're waiting on everybody else to get straight before you have a good life, you'll never have a good life. Now, let's come closer to home. You got in-laws and outlaws, and some of y'all are married to people. They're not easy to get along with. You're waiting on them. You're backing up. You might as well go ahead and start today to decide that you're going to have a good life no matter what anybody else does or doesn't do. And so that means a good life has more to do with you than circumstances. Now, you have to believe that because if you're trying to fix everybody around you so that everything in your life will be great, you're going to be one miserable human being, and then so is your spouse. Because I got news for you. If he's still leaving the cap off the, the, the toothpaste now, he'll be leaving it off the rest of his life. As a matter of fact, he's probably leaving it off because you're nagging him. And he ain't learned to put the toilet seat down. He ain't never going to learn to put the toilet seat down. So you might as well go ahead and have a good life. Just flush it and be quiet. Just, be, just decide right now to get happy no matter what your spouse is doing or not doing. That's free. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to preach you happy or I ain't letting you go. You, you might as well just get happy right now. Thank you. We got two people trying to get out of the building. <laughs> no, I got some things I want to share. The very simple sermon today, but I got some things I want to share that are a must. I mean, absolutely a must. Um. Where is Thessalonians? It's in the Bible. Is that New Testament? You know, I can get up here and get to flipping, and I'm thinking about five things and can't find anything. I want to show you something. 523. Now, the may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Your whole spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved blameless. God's not just interested in your spirit, man. But he's interested in your soul and your body. All three of you being whole. 
Now, did he take care of the spirit man? You can say yes. That's not a trick question. Yes, he did. So we got that part taken care of. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything became new. You're complete in him who's the head. So we've got the spirit. He took care of that part of you. But now he wants to make sure that your soul is healthy and your body is healthy. Now I'm going to, I'm going to share with you the, the way that happens. Now listen to this statement. Joyce Myers made a statement. Where the mind goes, the man follows. That's a true statement. If you want a good life, you're going to have to do something with your thought life, your thinking. So I'm going to let it get quiet in here. Not everything that enters your head is God. It's true of everybody in the room. I would say the biggest battle that you and I have ever faced in this earth is between our ears. Not, not around us, but going on inside of us. Satan wants control of your mind. God wants control of your mind. And whoever you yield your thought process to is who's going to ru- rule your life. In other words, you can literally be in the midst of hell on earth and you can keep your thoughts on God and you can have joy in the middle of all kinds of trouble. One of my favorite scriptures is the book of Acts where Paul and Silas are thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. And it says, at midnight they prayed and sang praises to God. And don't don't look at me and tell me their backs were beating, they're in stocks, they left them there. There's no bathroom. Use your imagination. There's no bathroom. This is no wonderful place. But yet the two of them chose to rejoice in the Lord, they chose to worship God. They chose. Listen, I'm not trying to tell you to make yourself rejoice just to make yourself rejoice. But you're never going to rejoice until you get your thought life straightened out. And that right there within itself is quite a deal. That your whole spirit, your soul, your body is preserved blameless. All right. 2 Peter chapter 1, pop it on the screen and we'll move on. Now may the God of, no, that's not it, I'll wait. Grace and peace are multiplied to you through the knowledge of God. Grace and peace are multiplied through knowledge. So you have to have some knowledge of God. Now, I'm going to say something to the ones of you because there's people in here who say things to me and I, I hate to counsel you because when I counsel you and then I preach on it, you know I'm talking to you. So the ones of you in this church that have said to me, I hate reading my Bible, I am talking to you. You will never have grace and peace until you learn to read your Bible. Because, because you don't have any knowledge. And I'm not talking about just being happy. I'm talking about grace 
the unmerited favor of God on your life until you get some knowledge of who you are and what belongs to you. Now, now basically, we're going to talk about thinking on the Word of God. Here's where we're going to go today and next Sunday. I want to get in to your mouth because your mind controls, you know, um, how did I say this? I got to read it the way I said it. It controls where you go. Your tongue controls your flesh. The book of James says your flesh is like a rudder that controls your flesh, your tongue. We've got to get your tongue lined up with the word of God. But sometimes what I've noticed is that people are walking around making confessions and they've never even put their thought in what they're doing. They're never meditating. That truth is not real. You're not thinking about it. You need to think about what you think about. Don't allow every bird that flies over to your head to build a nest in your hair. You'll look odd walking down the road with a bird nest in your head. Thoughts come and thoughts go, but they die unborn. Jesus said, don't take the thought saying Don't say everything that comes in your mind. Matter of fact, don't say most of what comes in your mind. There are some things you don't need to be talking about, and they don't even you don't need to be thinking about it. Let's change, let's go over there if I want want to do something. The book of Revelation, it says Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Who's the first person he accuses? You to you. Did you know that everybody in this room has negative thoughts about yourself? I didn't do that right. There's people in the room, dummy. I'm talking about talking to yourself. You dumb thing, what the Sam Hill did you do that for? Don't you have any brains in your head? We're talking about the way you think. You don't need no enemies, you it. And this is actually being fueled by the devil himself who hates you, hates God but can't get to him. So he, so he starts getting in your mind. Then he starts accusing you to you. And if you listen to it, if you do not know how to handle the thoughts, you'll believe them. Ain't nobody in their right mind would do what you just did. You idiot. I mean, my God, how do you call yourself a Christian? How dare you call yourself a Christian and do what you just did? Yeah, and you, are, you ain't no Christian. You a moron. Now, I'm not talking about somebody else talking to you. I'm talking about you talking to you. What did he say about you? You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're a new creation. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart. If you don't learn to replace the thoughts that the devil's putting in your head with what God said, you're going to follow the devil. Your soul is going to take you down a path you don't want to go. And you're not going to have a good life. And you're the problem. Now stuff happens. And sometimes you do cause it. I told God when I got saved, I said, you know, I was a knucklehead when I got saved. This is not new news to you. And you love me then, so you got to put up with me now. The Bible says we're to love others as we love who? That might be the problem. Say, I don't love nobody. I don't even like myself. I'm an ugly. I'm so ugly. 
Now, that's the first thing you've got to get your head straight is thinking bad about you. And you think it's humble. Well, I'm never no good. <laughs> All the dummy my mother told me I was stupid and I'm just stupid. Well, you're stupid for believing it. I thought you were his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. I thought God made you. Are you saying God made you stupid? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. So, so the thoughts, I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about believing the Bible, but, but we, before we start talking about the believing the Bible, we're going to talk about what you're thinking. What are you thinking about? Hardest thing I've ever done in my life is to get my thoughts straight. I ain't talking about everybody else. I'm talking about just me. Because number one, I'd pick up my Bible and go, I don't believe that. That's not true. I, I mean, I was arguing with God. He's saying something nice about me, and I'm thinking negative about me. Because I was taught all of my life to think bad about myself. Think that's humility. That's not humility. Now, don't brag about stuff you can't do. It's a lie. I'm the best there is. No, you're not. I ain't never done nothing wrong. That's a lie. I did the best I could. That's right. Thank God for it. You, you people who are perfectionists, I'm going to tell you why you do what you do. Are you ready? You feel that if you do it right, no one can criticize you. But you know who criticizes you more than anyone else? Yourself. Perfectionists are hard on themselves. Then they watch what everybody else is doing. To see if they're doing better than anyone else. And you're living in hell. And you're creating it. What's wrong with I'm a new creation? Old things have passed away. Everything's new. God made me. He loves me just like I am. Praise God. He's not done with me. I did it wrong. But you know what? That's okay. I'll get this. With the help of God, I'll get this. And just get, just lighten up on yourself. And now, now let me, let, can we get a little deeper here? It, and, and then you got your wife telling you everything you did wrong. Let me ask you a question. Has nagging ever fixed it? Then stop. It's, it's not going to. People are, don't change because they're criticized. Listen. If you think he's an idiot and you got him to believe in it, he'll be worse when you're done nagging him. You're not going to change him with, by driving him crazy with your mouth. What, what if by some strange, weird coincidence you started noticing what he did right? Maybe if you saw, thought about how good he is. We all know he's got problems. My God, everybody does. Everybody married the wrong person. I don't know whether you all know that or not. The right person you're supposed to marry, their dad died in World War I. And so after that, every, all marriages are wrong. I mean, God had to get up there with an angel and go, well, after the war, I mean, we had to, I mean, I mean that person's not even alive anymore, so they got to, we're all married to the wrong person. 
Not really, but I don't know how to fix that. But you're married to an imperfect person. Wouldn't it be nice if we just thought of the good things in them and brought that up instead of all of the things we don't like? I'm sure they did something right. Somewhere last week. Did they go to work? Say something to them about it. Thank you, Jesus. You went to work. Did he get drunk and come home and beat you? Thank God for that. Come on, I'm doing a little better job of preaching than you amen and me. Did your wife cook anything last week? I don't care if she burnt the biscuits. Did she even get up and get in the kitchen at all? Come on. Walk in there and tell her thank you. Buy her a rose for it. Let me say hallelujah, woman. The accuser of the brethren... Is constantly accusing you, and then he wants to get in your head about the people around you. I'm going to tell you something. I know y'all, and I love you anyway. It's not much harder to look at a person and find the good than it is to find the bad. I was sitting with a person not too long ago who's a perfectionist. And it's a lady, and and she's a handful. She's a handful. And I told Lisa, I said, no wonder nobody wants to marry that lady. My God, she's a handful. And I prayed, and I said, God, you got to help me talk to this lady. And I did. I talked to her. And I'm going to tell you how how I talked to her, and I'm going to tell you something happened to me. Several years ago, we we have guest speakers that come through this church, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I think all of them are Clint Eastwood. Every one of them Clint Eastwood. Well, Lisa and I have a couple of guest speakers in this church. They know Lisa and I. They know my good. They know my bad. Usually when someone finds out you're bad, that pretty much ends the relationship. I don't know whether you all ever figured that out or not. But when you meet people who love you, period, don't you all like it? Don't you love it when someone loves you? They know you're a jerk, and they love you anyway. Don't you love people like that? I, mean, I just love people who love me. I mean, you ain't going to take you long. You come to this church very long, you're going to find he said something really bad today. I wished I could say everything perfect all the time. I do. I really try. It just don't seem to come out all right all the time. It just... You know, at the end of my name, it says D.D. Lisa says that's, that means double D personality, not doctor of divinity. But anyway, um, so, so this person, I told this person one day, I said, when I grow up, I'm going to be just like you. See, we love people who love us. And I said, you know what, that, the way you treat me changes me. I now understand by watching your love walk how to walk in love. And I made a decision that day to love the good I saw in people and just forget the few things that, are, that I don't like. Is that fair? So I'm sitting with this lady who's a handful. And I told her the story. And she looked up and she's crying. She said, I'm a handful, aren't I? I said, yes, you are. 
but I sure do love you. She is a good lady. She's a perfectionist. I said, just lighten up on yourself and everybody else. She said, thank you. I didn't criticize her. Just told her about me. But, but it's amazing. You can get around people and they'll have a bad thought. Woo! You've got to find another room to go. Well, they're having a bad day. And it's in their head. And sometimes it's in yours. If you want to change your life, you're going to have to start with your mind. All right, let's, let's. Romans chapter 1. Is this okay? Good. When I wake up in the morning, and I do this every morning when I wake up, and I might miss two or three, four a year, two or three, not very many. I don't get out of the bed until I lay there and start thanking God for what I have. Amen. I don't even, even, even want to exit the sheets Amen. until I have verbally gone, Father, I want to thank you. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want to thank you that nothing's going to happen to me and you today that you can't handle. I want to thank you that if you're for me, it doesn't matter what everybody else does. I want to thank you right now that I have the mind of Christ and the greater is he that is living on the inside of me than he that is in the world. There's nothing going to happen that you won't help me with. I want to thank you that I have a bed to sleep in. I thank you that I'm going to get up and walk in the kitchen. There's food in there. I'm going to thank you that I have a pickup truck that I don't have to worry about jumping it off every time I go anywhere. I used to. I'm not going to sit around and whine and cry all the time about stuff. I've got to start off by starting off thankful. I want to read this out of the book of Romans. And, and uh, we're talking about our life being better. Let's look at this in Romans chapter 1. Um, verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. My God, that sounds like the world, doesn't it? Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, God showed it to them. There's no such thing as an atheist. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even the eternal power and Godhead. They are, or we are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God, neither were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts. Folks, stop. We live in the greatest nation on the earth. I mean, we, if you make $30,000 a year, you're in the top 1% richest people on the earth. Why are you unhappy? Did you, I mean, most of the world today does not have, they have a dirt floor house. If they don't, they don't have AC, they don't have air, they don't have heaters, they don't have most of the people don't have anything you have. In Haiti, $20 a month is the wage. Why are we having a bad day? Because it's so easy to go negative and to constantly look at what I don't have and what didn't work right and what didn't, what this wasn't right and that wasn't right. And all of us deal with it to some degree. 
Lisa will look at me sometimes and go, don't go dark. This usually has to do with politics. It's usually like, like I told you, I was looking at Facebook and the, the north and the south got together. I was excited. Rocket man is putting his rocket down. That's exciting. He's not going to blow the whole world up. Is that exciting? And some lady wrote, now that north and south got together, they got twice as much firepower. My God, they're both going to kill us. And I went, shut up. <laughs> Stupid. Why do you always have to go negative on everything? All right. So I decided early, and, I, and I'm saying this to you and I both. You're believing God. I'm believing God for my health. I'm believing God for finance. I'm believing God for my children. Listen, nothing's going to change. Until you do something with your thinking. You can sit around all, you can pray all you want to pray. But until you do something with, see, your believing is connected to your thinking. And until your thinking gets straight, your believing is never going to get straight. That's a good statement. So he wants us to get our mind renewed with the word. I'm not talking about just learning a bunch of scriptures. We're talking about getting your mind on the things of God. If I wake up in the morning and go, if God is for me, who can be against me? There's a scripture that I read almost every day. 1 Peter 5, 7. You know why? Because every day I face stuff and people, there's no, I can't do a thing about that. I can't do anything about that. I don't know what to do about that. Now, there was a man years ago. I read a story. Is this okay? He said he had a son that, 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 that didn't serve God, and, it was, and he turned out to be a really bad boy. Grew up to be a young man, left home, got into all kind of trouble. The man said, I used to lay awake at night and wait for the phone to ring. Is he dead? Who's he running around with? You know, just worrying, worrying and worrying about his kid. Let me ask you a question. What's he going to do to change it? There is one thing he can do. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Did God hear? When he prayed, did God hear him? Yes, he did. So he said this. I finally got on my knees and gave that boy to God. God, from this day forward, the fate of my son is in your hands. And I refuse to ever worry or have another bad day because of his, the way he lives. And the police called one day and says, you know what, we, we think we've, we've heard about your son. He says, I have no son. Now, he may have gone a little extreme. I actually read this in John G. Lake's book, if you want to know where I got this story. He said, he said, I have no son. He said, well, Mr. Jones, you do have a son. He said, I have no son. What he meant was, I gave him to God. Next month, he'd get another phone call, please. He said, I have no son. One day they called him up and says, we found a body in the river. Would you come and identify and see if it's your son? He says, no, I have no son. You say, well, that's extreme. Well, no, that's what he had to do to keep from worrying and fretting and thinking about it. 
One day he gets a phone call. Dad, this is Jojo. Yeah, where are you? I just gave my heart to Jesus. I want to call you. Come on home, son. Are you all out there? Satan's constantly messing with your head. You prayed, he didn't hear you. He didn't even care about you. What are you going to do about those thoughts? I walked right by them. They didn't even see me. They don't care about me. What are you going to do with those thoughts? Let me tell you what helps me with people. Love hardly notices when the other does it wrong. Love keeps no record of wrongs. You know, I've said this before and it bears repeating. Do you know that people know when you like them and don't? Well, I don't care whether you even say anything to them. It don't matter. They know you don't like them. Comes out of your port. Comes out of every part of you. So how do you change that? Well, you know, guilty people act guilty. How do you change that? Well, quit being guilty. Start liking people. Then they, when they walk there, they go, I think I, I like that guy. He likes me. Yeah, I like you. I told the story earlier about the boys when they are growing up. You always know when your kids are doing wrong. They think that your parents have this ESP or something. Number one, when three boys are quiet, something's wrong somewhere. That was always our first indication that the boys were doing something wrong. The second one was the dog. Buddy was a good babysitter. We had a little German Shepherd Chow Collie dog. It was a Sooner dog, just like a Floridian. <laughs> was that, who's Sooner? Uh, uh, Oklahoma, Sooner. When Buddy would come to the door, <laughs> that means you better go get find the boys. Because <laughs> what they're doing is the dog had more sense than the kids did. See, whenever it, 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 people know you don't like them, they know you do, and they know. And the reason you don't is because you sit around and think bad things about people. Why don't you just choose to find the good? Yes. Now I'm going to tell you something about praying for people. If there's somebody you can't stand them, start praying for them now. The love of God will kick in, and I'm, this is a miracle. But I've had people that I absolutely, nothing short of them going to hell would make me, I mean, I don't want them to go to hell, but everything else would be fine. Just mean people. And I, and I, I struggle with that scripture, pray for them. I said, I don't want to pray for them. But something happened when I did. Yeah. You want to walk in health, you better walk in love. Yeah. So I start praying for these people. Next thing you know is that I start seeing why they do what they do. Then I start seeing them the way God sees them. Next thing you know, I actually love that person. You see, the people you don't like, it's because you don't pray for them. The more you pray for people, the more love you'll have for people that that would normally irritate you. Wow. 
That tells you why there's a lot of marriages falling apart because husbands and wives are not praying for each other. You know, Lisa needs prayer. I have a really great wife. Not perfect, but a great wife. And I'll take the credit for some of that. I prayed for her. Oh, God help her with that. And vice versa. You know, she didn't come out of her mother's womb knowing everything. I can tell you that. But I'll tell you what, if you'll sit around and think about all the good, you don't have time to think about the bad. All right, now let's move on. Be thankful. Learn to be thankful. In everything, give thanks. Go to Philippians 4. How are we doing for time? Not too good, but we're, we're, we'll make it. I said this the other day, and I'm going to say it again because I've already learned. You didn't learn it because I said it once. You probably won't learn it when I say it today, but you will get it eventually. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice. What does that actually mean? It does not mean jump and run and shout and holler in church, although that may be part of your rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord, all that means is you get happy about what he did, not about yourself. Did he die on the cross for you? You get happy about that. Is he seated at the right hand of God praying for you right now? When you get happy about that. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Then get happy about that. Do you understand? You're not, you're not just rejoicing to be rejoicing. You're rejoicing in the fact that he has finished the work in you and he's got this thing. So that's what you're getting happy about. I understand everything around you is not going real well. But now, right now, he said, rejoice in the Lord. Because if you rejoice in him and he's already answered your prayers, there's no reason for you to walk around sad. Until we deal with our own soul, there's no reason to worry about everything else in the planet. Do y'all get this? The number one issue is that you've got to get your soul straight, not the world. Man, if you're not happy, you know, the, in, when you get on an airplane, you ever notice they say, if there is a loss of pressure, put the mask on your face first. Well, you can't help anybody dead. Listen, listen, how many lifeguards are in here? You've actually been a lifeguard. One, two, come on, I need more. There's more, y'all. What is the thing they told you? Three. When you go out there, that person drowning will drown you. Won't they? You've got to put them in a headlock to save their life. You've got to swim around behind them, and if they start climbing on your head, You've got to go under the water and disappear. They won't chase you down. And come up behind them and grab them from behind and get them in a headlock and drag them to shore. If you don't, they will kill you trying to save themselves. The person trying to help them, they will kill. The people around you that you're trying to help will kill you. You got to take care of your thought life and your soul. You got to make sure you're spiritually healthy. Don't be out there trying to help everybody around you and your life is a royal mess. If you get around them and they're mean, then you come home and now you mean. Ask me. That's you you, you can't pastor. With people will kill you. 
That's why I come along behind you and put you in a headlock and say, I'll help you out here, but you ain't taking me down. Now, I'm going to tell on myself right now. I'm going to tell on myself. I've had people, when I first started pastoring, prayed for them and they died. I took that to heart. That, that created an enormous amount of discouragement in me. Why, God? I know I was on your way. Why? And I, and I took it. And, there, and, and it's my, Satan's in my head. And he's killing me. Boy, that's good. I had to learn to go, God, I don't know. I heard about Brother Hagin praying for people in the healing line, and they die. They just go to the next one. Why? I don't know. You can't walk. You can't take cares. Go to, go to, you're in Philippians. We don't need to go anywhere. Look at verse 6. Be anxious for what? Nothing. How much? Nothing. Nothing. So before I leave the house in the morning, before I get out of my bed, Heavenly Father, everything I run into today that I can't fix, I give it to you. I refuse to walk around worrying myself sick over stuff I cannot change, people I cannot change, things I have no idea what to do about it. You know, there's times that I would come into this church and I'd go, God, what do I do about that? What do I do about that? What do I do about that? And I would think and think and pray and seek God and think. And I realized I'm not praying, I'm worrying. I have become God. And they're looking to me for an answer. I ain't God. Why, Pastor? I don't know. Well, what are we going to do about it? I don't know. When you die, ask him. You're, you're, you're not God. And don't act like it. If there's a problem, go, well, we'll give that to the Lord. Ha, ha, ha. That's the reason why I can sleep at night. I go to bed and sleep. I mean, I, all kind of stuff happens. I just go. I learned that from Peter. And we go key in the morning. He said, okay, good night. <laughs> Actually, I learned that from Prince's Bride. Dread, dread pirate Roberts, dread, we'll kill you in the morning. Okay. Good night. Next day, help me, Lisa. Next tomorrow, we'll probably kill you in the morning. Good night. Turned him into the head of the pirate ship, but anyway. I spent way too much of my time looping stuff in my head there's nothing I can do about. All of us, all of us have this issue. Because I want to get in to confessing the word. I want to I wanna get into next Sunday putting the word in your mouth. Why? Because the rudder controls the ship, not the winds and the waves. The, the word of God, only thing's going to turn your life around is the word of God in your mouth. And it doesn't do any good for you to put it in your mouth if you haven't meditated on it and thought about it and you're thinking bad and speaking the truth. And you come back and go, it ain't working for me. Yes, it does. The Word always works. There are things that will never change. Faith in the Word is activated when you say what God says. You can change 
anything you're dealing with, with the Word of God, anything, and it looks impossible, but you'll have to get a hold of your head. I know this looks impossible, and it feels impossible, and I don't know how God's going to do it, but right now, I'm going to think about this scripture, and I'm going to say it. And while you're saying it, every devil in hell is looking at you going, that's ah, not going to work. And it always works. It, you got saved that way. All right. Are you all okay? We're running out of time terribly, but. Let's just look at this one more, Luke 10, 20, and we'll close. Because I want to get in, oh, so bad. It's almost like I'm going to have to teach them side by side. But listen, but listen as I say this, in Numbers 13... The people that came back with a bad report said there was giants in the land. That's true. And it says, and we are as grasshoppers in our sight. Were they? No. But they saw themselves. Their thinking about themselves stopped them from entering the promised land. Your thought life is hindering you right this minute until you get to where you can think on good things. And I'm talking about starting with yourself. Do you all see what I'm trying to do? Because I want to get into faith and I want to get into confessing the word. But when you stand up and say, my God meets all of my needs, you've, you've got to quit thinking about the bills and your job and the problems and the I don't I don't mean that you are become irresponsible. You do what you need to do as a parent. But the things you can't change, you give them to God and you get excited and you get on the word of God and confess it. But you got to keep your thinking right. What if I lose my job? Well, I'll get another one. I told the story in the first service. Um, my boss walked up to me and said, "Morgan, if you do that again, I'll fire you." I said, "Okay." He said, what do you mean, okay? I said, praise the Lord. He said, I'm going to fire you and you say, praise the Lord? I said, well, Randy, there is a God and you're not him. I mean, if you want to fire me, I'm fired, but I'll have a job in the morning. And, well, that's arrogant. I said, well, no, no, sir. I'm not, try, I'm not trying to be arrogant. Now, was I afraid? Yeah. I'm talking faith to this guy right now. I'm talking my faith. I'm thinking, man, we're going to go hungry. <laughs> but I, but I'm, I, are, are y'all getting this? You, you understand? I'm not going to sit around and think that God sent me here and somehow know that he's going to let me die of starvation because somebody threatened me. I'm going to fire you. <clears throat> well, then fire me. Hallelujah. I'm not going to lay here and worry about it. And see, we have this stuff going on all the time around us, the negativity. If God said he meets my needs, he meets my needs. That's the very time I'm putting the word in my mouth. 
My God said he'll meet all of my needs according to riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I'm not going to sit around and think poverty and, and, and starvation while I'm confessing it. As a matter of fact, the Holy Ghost, when he talks to you, he'll give you vision. You're going to see, I see the blessing. I see, I see myself healed. Can I go a little longer? When I first started pastoring, I had a problem with y'all. Them, y'all weren't here. Melanie was here. She was part of the problem. Because I thought the people were hindering the growth of this church. And they were all hard to get along with. And I saw the people as being unresponsive, disobedient, stubborn Christians. It really affected my thinking. It even affected my preaching. It affected my believing. It affected everything. But it was true. Until the Lord one day said, well, that's not the way I see them. I said, well, what do you see? He said, I see obedient, new creations, full of the life of God. The love of God is shed abroad in their heart. I went, oh. When I changed the way I think about you, I noticed how much nicer y'all became. Y'all are getting this, aren't you? So I don't think that about you anymore. As a matter of fact, all of you in here, I think only the best of you. You'll make it. You're growing. Love Jesus. Proud of you. Praise the Lord. Can y'all tell the difference? I know Sandy and Melanie and people who are around, they know the difference. But you see, it, it was my, th- I was thinking, well, I was thinking about what I saw. But I wasn't using my faith. I said, well, I'm going to use my faith right here. The Bible says they're new creations. The Bible says we don't view men after the flesh. The love of God is in them. Amen. These are great people. Isaac is even a great guy. Do y'all see that? Do y'all see the difference? So faith has everything to do with how you think and talk. Does that make sense? Do you understand why we had to go down this road before we started talking about your tongue? Anyway, hallelujah. What did I say turn to? Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. You rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Some days, Paul. That's the only thing you can get happy about right there. You go, hallelujah. I'm going to heaven when I leave this place. Thank you, Jesus. You know, when you're laying in the hospital and tell you're going to die, that's the only thing you can get happy about while you're laying there. Woo, going to heaven. If I, and then if I live, well, I go back to that church and pastor and preach the gospel. Does this make sense to you all? Until you and I have learned to do something with our head. You're not really going to have the life God wanted you to have. And it's easy to do. I I say it's easy. I guess it's not as easy, but it's simple, but not easy. Is that a better way to say it? Because you're going to have to work on this. I still work on it. Thinking on good things. I don't even wake, I don't even get out of the bed in the morning And Lisa will tell you, she hears me in the bedroom there 
quoting the word of God. I ain't getting up. I don't care how good the coffee smells until I have had my time of confessing the word. Because I'm fixing to start a day off that every devil in hell would like to kill me and take me out and problems and everything else. But I'm not going to go negative. Does this help you? Come on, act like it a little bit. Yeah, this helps. All right. The rest of this says think on good things. Think on what's lovely. Think on what's true. Think positively. If you want your life to change, start with the guy. Start with yourself. That's the biggest thing you and I got to deal with every day of our life. Once we conquer that, which you'll never totally conquer it. But you'll get a good handle on it. You're going to start watching everything else around you is going to start turning around. And you're going to see more of the goodness of God than you've ever seen in your life. Now these guys are going to come. Go ahead and come now. We're going to have communion. Is that, all, is that good? Come on. We're going to pray over in a minute. We're going to, I want to pray over us because... I, I want you to walk out of here today, and, I, and, and I, I'm going to, you have to use my faith that I'm going to see a church full of people who, who have learned to control their thought life. Jesus said, don't take the thought saying. Don't take every thought that comes in your mind. And we have some bad ones come by, don't we? I mean, we have some, whoa, that was not a God thought. Oh, amen. Now, I know maybe you good little thinker. Say, I will think on good things. I will think God thoughts. I will think well of myself according to the word of God. I will look for the good in others in Jesus' name. Yeah, and you can do it too. Glory to God. While they're passing communion, I'm going to tell you something. A bunch of guys got together one day and said, Brother Hagin's never said a critical word about anybody. I wonder what he thinks of the devil. So they, they got him cornered one day and they said, Brother Hagin, you never say anything bad about anybody. What do you think of the devil? He said, he is persistent, isn't he? Now that's a man after my own heart. And I'm thinking, dear Lord, when I grow up, I'm going to be like Brother Hagin. Not quite there, am I? You want to come up here with me, honey bear? In God good. I told you this, and I'm going to turn this over to Lisa in just a minute. But communion is a time where you remember that it's because of the blood you're where you are it's all it is a room time of remembrance but because of the blood there's no sin can attach itself to you there's no problem no sickness can stay in your body because the blood has cleansed you and, and given you a right to the to walk in the throne room of God communion is a positive time for us to remember the goodness of God so Jesus says as often as you do this remember me Remember what I did for you. Amen. 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 So let's just go ahead and take the bread this morning. Say this with me. 
Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Jesus said, this is my body that was broken for me. And as often as I do this, to do this in remembrance of him. Jesus, I thank you that you took my sins, you took my iniquities, you took my infirmities, and the chastisement or the punishment for me to have peace with God was laid on you. And by those stripes, we are healed and made whole. Thank you for breaking your body for me. And I take this now in remembrance of you. And he took the cup and he said, this is the cup, the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that I have been made righteous only because of the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the gift. Jesus, thank you for shedding my, your blood for me. You said in Colossians 1 that you have delivered me from the power of darkness and translated me into the kingdom of your dear son. I accept what you did, Jesus. I accept the gift. Thank you for taking my sin. Thank you for taking my sickness. Thank you for shedding your blood. And I remember you when I take this cup. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.